Well, I've prepared something for you this morning, and I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about it because it involves mathematics. And not everyone loved mathematics at school. Hands up if you enjoyed maths at school. Hands up if you didn't enjoy maths at school. Uh, it's a bit about a 50-50 split. A bit nervous because um, maybe one or two people that I actually taught for a little while put their hand up when they didn't enjoy maths, and I was their maths teacher, so did a great job, didn't I? So the title of my message this morning is Fractured, Forgiven, and Now Full. Um, uh, I'm just going to read a scripture to you, John 10.10. For the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus speaking, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The next scripture, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. God, I ask that this morning you would speak clearly to someone in this place. God, that we as a collective group today uh, would leave this place just having a new revelation of your love for us, a new revelation of your forgiveness for us, and God, a new revelation of just who you are in our life. God, I ask that anyone in this room this morning that feels like they are not good enough to be in church this morning, God, that you would speak to them clearly and know that they are a precious child of God. And God, that we, we would have a great time together but more than that, you'd be honoured in this place. Amen. Well, growing up, I grew up in church and, and uh, I feel like my parents did a fantastic job of raising me to be a good boy. Uh, and so they would always talk about, you know, um, Josh, you need to make sure you do this because you're a good boy. I'm even doing it now. Every morning I wake up with my son, Noah, and I say, who's a good boy? And he taps himself on the, the chest and goes, Noah, Noah. And then I go, say it louder, Noah. And uh, now we've got because we've got another child in the room, we've got to be like, oh, who else is a good boy? <laughs> Zachy. <clears throat> but in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned. And even my parents trying to do a great job to raise me, I'm still a broken person. And just because I'm up here with the privilege that, that, that Pam and Ian have share, given me to share with this morning does not mean that I am any better than you. I am still very broken and very much in need of a saviour, just like you and I are all in that same position. So really, I just want to talk this morning about Jesus. I'm going to start off and take you back about 20, no, 18 years when I went to Newcastle University and studied a maths and a teaching degree. And I will be really, really candid and honest with you. I didn't really love the mathematics part of my degree. I wanted to teach maths, but the maths was really hard, like really hard. Like I used to sit in class with, with the, these, these, this type of person that I wasn't. <laughs> like they would read maths textbooks on the weekend. I'd watch football on the weekend. And they'd get together and, and this isn't a bad thing. If you do this, that's fine. But I didn't do it. They'd get together on the weekends and play Dungeons and Dragons. And I'd be like, yeah, I, I like playing computer games. And, and they were just a different person. I didn't really fit, fit in. However, I remember asking God to really give me opportunities when I was at university to have a better understanding of who he was. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of a revelation that I felt like God gave me in one of my classrooms one day. And uh, it really, really hit home to me what it was all about. And it was about maths. And I don't know if you know, but the word fraction comes off the root word um, fracture or in Latin fractus, which means something's broken. And so when you hear about fractions at school... Uh, they're just broken numbers. They're just numbers that represent something between, you know, say zero, nothing, and wholeness, and one. It's just something's broken. That's all. 
being a fraction is and being fractured is. And I remember um, learning about it. It's just a, a new type of number. So that's all it is. And a lot of people get really, really nervous and scared about it. So you can see that a half is literally just two normal whole numbers, one and two, that's put together to make a fraction. My maths teacher's also here who, who taught me math. So I hope I get this right, Denise. <laughs> I, I now work with Denise, but I still remember her as my maths teacher. She's a fantastic maths teacher. But I don't know about you, but as I said that we're all broken at the start, I've got two fractions on the board here. One's a quarter, one's three quarters. Now, which is the more whole fraction? Three quarters, thanks. Thanks, Jack. Someone listened in class. Three quarters. But which fraction's whole? Neither. Neither. You see, I sat in this classroom and I had this revelation because I was a pretty good boy and I didn't really struggle with a lot growing up. And I had this revelation that in the pursuit of wholeness, no matter what your fraction is, it still doesn't measure up to wholeness. Let me give you an example. You say this morning if the people serving coffee had served you a coffee in this cup, would you have appreciated that? Probably not. This cup's a little bit better, but you still wouldn't have appreciated it. Both don't measure up to the standard of what you would say is acceptable. And even though I was a really, really good kid, I had this revelation in this class one day that I still don't measure up to Jesus. Just like the people sitting next to me that didn't even know Jesus. So I, we were both in desperate need to actually be perfect like this. Because this is the only thing that's acceptable before God, which is perfection. But I couldn't get there on my own. And what really worried me growing up is that, and some people in this room may feel the same way, as it says in Galatians 6.4, don't compare yourself to others. Growing up in church, I remember looking at some people that you know, were in the youth program that I was in at the, at the time, and sometimes some of them would go out and say like, I don't know, go out and, and drink a little bit. And... I compared myself to them and thought that I was a better Christian because of what I did. And likewise, there could be some people in this room in the other way where you've, you've sat here and you see some very, very good people in this room. And you're like, I could never measure up to the standard that they are. But it says in the Bible, don't compare yourself to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying before, but, but comparison is the thief of joy because... It steals away the joy that you could potentially have because you look at someone near you and go, well, they're better than me, so I must, must be poor. But, but we are all in a state of needing Jesus. He died on the cross and rose for us again that we could have eternal life. He is the only way to wholeness. So what do we do about our fractured state? So here we go, we'll talk about some maths. So right here, this looks really, really confusing. It's not that hard at all. I've just got A, which represents like an element of the number system. Easy just could be like a number like three. And B being another element of the number system that's different or unique to A, and that could be five, for example. And in order for that to be multiplied to get to wholeness, it's got to be multiplied by what we call the reciprocal or something that's actually greater than a whole. Let me keep going. We talk about it as being the multiplicative inverse. But anyway, let me give you a firm example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whew. 
I teach maths, hopefully I'll do a good job of explaining this. So imagine you've got three quarters. That's the analogy of your broken state. That's the analogy of my broken state. Now in maths, we talk about multiple, uh, for all of sin and sure fall to the glory. We all fall short. Whether, whether you look at yourself and you think, oh, I'm just one fifth, like a really, really small fraction. Or if you look at yourself and go, oh, I'm pretty awesome. I'm like four fifths. You still don't measure up. But you see, we've got to bring a thing called an operation, which is called like a multiply symbol. It's an operation. And it made me think when I was in that classroom that this scripture here where it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts of the hearts and the attitude. In our broken state, we need to go through an operation that only Jesus can perform on our heart. And we learn about that through the word of God. So here we are, this broken state, three quarters. We bring the operation, which is, which is like the Word of God and Jesus to our lives. And we've got to put to that something that's actually greater a whole, something that this world doesn't offer, which is four thirds. And just to help you understand, if you didn't know in maths, that actually is bigger than a whole. It's like, it's more than, more than wholeness. And I sat in this classroom and I felt like Jesus really told me that the only thing that can get you back to wholeness is something this world doesn't offer. And it's something that's greater than anything you can see on this planet. And it's me. It's a great thought, isn't it? So the identity of Christ. And these were the three points I felt Jesus really like impress on my heart. The first one's this. The required identity of Jesus for you is different than the required identity of another. Let me explain that for you. If I take, say, three quarters, I need to multiply it by four thirds. It's a different fraction. If you're two fifths, you've got to multiply it by five halves. It's a different fraction. Who Jesus is to me is not who he is to you. What you need from Jesus is not what I need from Jesus. Jesus is an individual person to each of you to measure up to the need or the the, the missing part of your life to make you whole. So you can't compare who you need Jesus to be to you as to who I need Jesus to be to me. Because if you do that, you'll still end up lost. Because there's experiences, there's decisions, there's weaknesses in my life that you don't carry because you carry something different. But Jesus measures up to that standard for all of us individually. The second I felt like the thing is the identity is greater than a whole. This is why it can bring about wholeness. Like the only way that you can go from a broken state is to bring something that's more than whole to your life. And the third point was this, and this is really like what I see happen in life so often is that we try and bring something that's not Jesus, something that this world offers that's already broken, you bring it to your life and you actually end up in a more broken state. So say you've got a quarter, you multiply it by two thirds, you actually end up in a more broken state than you started off with. And you see this happen all the time in life. You see someone really struggling with a relationship or struggling with work at the moment and they bring something other than Jesus to their life and it actually makes things worse. Because only Jesus can satisfy and only Jesus can give us wholeness. So we've got to be a group of people that always turn to to Jesus for our wholeness to measure up rather than to turn to the things that this world offers because it always ends in greater brokenness. So we're on this journey of wholeness. It's like we're always, always reaching out to get to this place of wholeness, but only Jesus truly satisfies because Jesus came to give us life to the full. 
He didn't want us to live on this planet and constantly walk around broken. He wants us to be alive and full. And this is what we celebrate today on Easter. We celebrate that He is risen. You see, there is a group of people in this city at the moment that have woken up without hope. There is a group of people that have woken up in this, in this city at the moment that are turning to things other than Jesus, but we have the solution. We have the answer that can bring about wholeness. And sometimes, if I don't know about you, but sometimes I even forget that. There's a story about a man in the city I was spent the last 12 years, and let me tell you a bit about what he did. He was very, very wealthy, lived in the 17th century, in the 1600s. Never had children, but was very wealthy. He contributed massively financially to help set up schools, to help set up houses for the poor. He was quite a remarkable man, and so many aspects of Bristol was remembered because of this guy. So there was a school down the road from, from, from where I lived, and the school was named after him. There was a hall, the main hall in the city of Bristol, was named after him. Um, there was a church that was named after him. However, you may remember very, very clearly in the media, I don't know if you remember, but there was, did you see a video of like a statue of someone in Bristol maybe about 12 months ago, 18 months ago, that was pulled down and chucked into the river? He made all his finance through actually the slave trade. And I thought, look, it made me think about the fact that we serve a Jesus who doesn't want to highlight our wrongdoings. But what Jesus did is he died on the cross so that our sin could be given, forgiven and wiped clean, not so that we as a whole person had to be wiped clean. We are battling at the moment in society where people, when someone makes a mistake, they want to remove them from society. But Jesus isn't that type of person to us. He just wants to remove our sin. I'll give you another example. A, a, a friend of mine, I, I actually spoke and had a few messages back and forth from him this week. He set up a charity down in Adelaide to help Aboriginal communities that are um, in need. So he provides every week about four to 500 meals with his family. Um, and he's starting a church down in Adelaide to help this group of, of people. But you may remember him because 12 years ago he released a song with Hillsong called Healer. And he was the man that faked cancer. And there was an article that was written three days ago by the New York Times about him that said, fake preacher helps the poor. The guy cannot move on. And we live in a society that will not let people move on from their wrongdoings. But we serve a God who takes our wrongdoings and moves them away from us, and we are now whole and full. And it made me think about me, and I'm going to be really, really honest with you. Even though he's my friend, I have said things sometimes like, he may never be able to move on from this. And God really did a number on me this week and said, who are you to make that judgment of him? You are in just as much need of a saviour as he was. So do not hold him back, because I had this... This revelation that forgiveness empowers us to move forward. But forgiving others empowers them not to be held back. And forgiving others stops us from holding them back. Can we be a group of 
of people, a church community that will do nothing more than celebrate wholeness in people and not allow their bad decisions to hold them back from their future. We need to be countercultural. We need to. We need to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. We need to let them know that just because they did something five years ago, five days ago, five minutes ago, it does not stop them from an eternity with Christ that we get to partake in. Because we celebrate today Resurrection Sunday. Jesus did not die on the cross for us so that we would be in a situation where we had to remain broken, but we could be whole. And may we be a group of people that encourage others to wholeness, not to remind them of their wrongdoings. So wholeness. It says here in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The process requires something broken. The beauty of salvation is the fact that Jesus takes something broken and makes it whole. This is why the greatest mistake I feel the church can actually do, the church corporately, is actually point to the the significant leaders like they are the epitome of what we aim for. Because our brokenness is the actual beauty of salvation. And it made me think about how society at the moment wants to cancel the wrongdoings or the whole person when they've done something wrong. But may, may we be a culture where we celebrate that We've done something wrong, but God still accepts us. You've done something wrong, but God still accepts you. You do not have to be in a state where the thing that you did 10 years ago dictates who you are. That is the beauty of salvation. That is the beauty of the stone being rolled away, that we can walk in total fullness. Because the thief came to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came, that you and I may have life to the full. So let's celebrate wholeness. And for as a man thinks, in his heart so he is. Wholeness does not require broken parts. You need to see yourself in a completely new way. I actually believe there's some people in this room because I feel like I've done this before where I actually don't allow Jesus to actually bring about full wholeness because I don't let myself move on from what I've done wrong. You know, every single person in here has made a mistake at some point. And if you haven't, You are the Messiah. (laughs) Jesus is in the room. But you need to see, genuinely, hear me when I say this, you need to see yourself the way that Jesus sees you. Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could have a nice hour and a half service, get some free coffee and go home and have some, some Easter eggs. Jesus died so that you could be whole. Jesus died on a cross so that he could take all the wrongdoings you've done, carry them on his shoulders, and he took the weight of guilt, shame, and sin so that we no longer have to carry it. You need to see yourself in a new way this morning. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. God, I ask if anyone in this room is really wrestling with this right now, that you would be with them, that you would give them a revelation this morning of of the fact that God sees Jesus when he looks at you when you accept forgiveness. And God, that there'd be a renewing of the mind. So I want to, I want to charge you this, this next couple of weeks that could you please, the next time you think about something that you've done wrong, actually take a moment to stop and go, God, can you renew my mind this morning? Because I no longer have to walk in that because Jesus, you died for me. 
Imagine how your next two weeks of your, of your world and your life would look at the next time you think about, you're reminded about what you've done wrong. You take it to Jesus and say, renew my life. And more than that, imagine this community called Northies. Imagine what, what really the collective group would look like if you all came every Sunday with that thought in mind. I, I'm coming to church today renewed. My mind is renewed. God has made me whole. And I'm going to come and celebrate what Jesus has done in my life. And when I see someone walk in the room carrying the weight of what they've done wrong, you remind them. Be a brother or a sister of encouragement to say, look, Jesus died for, for that, so you don't have to carry it. It's like we, 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 we walk through life sometimes, and I, I talk from personal experience, so maybe you're better than I am, but sometimes I walk through life with a backpack on full of all of the weight of what I've done wrong in my life. And Jesus must be in heaven going, What's it, what are you guys doing? I, I died for you. I died so that you don't have to carry that weight. It says in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, God is strong and he wants you he wants you strong, so take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget in a couple of hours. This is for keeps a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Guys, we, we don't wrestle against one another. I've seen it too much in church community that we end up having little wrestlings and bickerings with one another and we're missing the point that our wrestle isn't with one another. Our wrestle is actually against the, the powers of the, the unseen world, it says in one of the scriptures. And, and again, may I encourage you as Northeast, look, look out for one another. Encourage one another. When you notice that someone hasn't been here for the last two or three weeks, give them a call, drop them a text. The next time you come to church on a Sunday and you're like, oh, I could sit for the next 15 minutes and talk to that person I talk to every week, look out for someone new or someone different and go, I'm just going to take five minutes to hear about their story. If you want to be encouraged, genuinely, ask someone about how they found Jesus. Look, it is, it is a question I ask a lot of people when I first meet them. I'll give you an example. I'm at, I'm at Luke's birthday party and I've met Danny for the first time. We're three questions in and I'm like, so Danny, tell me how, about you, how you knew Jesus, how you met Jesus. And I was like, oh, am I going too hard too soon here? But I want to know. I actually want to know because it stirs my faith. You see, I grew up in a Christian household. My mum and dad were faithful servants. They're here. They're faithful servants of this, of this body. But I get encouraged when I hear about other people's stories. And you see, we can have surface conversation that's like, you know, the Knights are going to do well today. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Have you seen the exchange rate of the, the latest stock and share I'm into? Yeah, great. Fantastic. But when's the last time you actually said to someone, tell me about how you met Jesus? Because I guarantee you after that conversation, you will walk away feeling incredible. Because someone has just expressed about the time where they encountered the love of Jesus for the first time. And it will remind you about the time that you found Jesus for the first time. And what a special, special thing that is. You see, joy is an abiding sense of happiness that comes from knowing the character of God. And as I said before, who Jesus is to me is not who Jesus is to you. So when I ask you about how you found Jesus... 
it reveals a whole new realm of who Jesus Christ is that I've never known. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus can reveal a whole new world of forgiveness that you've never had to walk in because you haven't carried their journey. You see, Ian, I don't know what it's like to require the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for what you've journeyed. But I know what it's like for me to require the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for being an arrogant little young person that thought he could do it all in his own strength. It's the truth. Wow. Wow. Thanks, Katrina. Jesus helper. I know for a fact you need Jesus, <laughs> Katrina. But yeah, I, you know, look, I don't, I don't know who Katrina's needed Jesus to be in her life because she's journeyed things I'll never, I'll never journey. But guys, asking someone about who Jesus is to them, it will tell you another glimpse of who our Saviour is and what he went and endured the cross for us so that we can celebrate Easter today. And be forgiven. We are all a fractured, broken people. And there's forgiveness there for all of us so that we can walk in fullness. And my greatest prayer this morning is that you are all inspired to two things. To one, have a moment again with Jesus this morning where you thank him for his great love and for what he did on the cross for you. And the second thing, for you to go out of this place and ask someone in this, in this room or someone in your sphere of influence, who is Jesus to you? Just so I can get a greater understanding of who my Saviour is. Because my understanding is so fixed and limited and he is so incredible. He's omnipresent and omnipotent. He's all-knowing, all-everywhere. And that's who our Saviour is. If I could just get the band to come up, that'd be fantastic. Have I, have I gone for long enough, Pam? Is this good? <laughs> 25 minutes is what I was told. Claire, how have, have I gone? There's, there's, it says zero, zero, zero. I think I've gone over time, have I? Oh, no. There's nothing, honestly, I've been in so many church services. There's nothing worse than when the preacher goes over time, is there? You're like, got the food ready to get home. The kids are out there and kids' church going crazy. Come on, let's wrap it up. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I just thank you for this mighty army. And I know it's the Salvation Army Church, but God, it is an army of of people that, that love and serve you. God, ask if there's anyone in this room this morning that doesn't know you. Well, this morning needs a fresh understanding of who you are to them. God, that you'd give that to them this morning. God, I thank you for every single individual here. I thank you that who you are to them is not who you are to me. And I thank you so much, God, that you are more than enough for all of us. Thank you for what you did on the cross. All those years ago, you took the weight of sin and shame on your shoulders so that we could now be whole. God, I ask that you'd renew our minds that we would walk into complete wholeness this week. And God, remind us of your great love this morning. And God, we love you very much. Amen.